I think it's harder to get more Aussie than the poet who created Australia's unofficial second anthem. Welcome, my mere mortalites, to another round of the book reviews. Book reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality. Today, I have something a little bit different for you, a little bit interesting. It's not your typical book. It is Poems of the Bush by Banjo Patterson. This particular book was published in 1987, and it's definitely a picturesque book because it combines many different pictures on the opposite pages of the poems. So these pictures and works, I guess, are done by other Australian artists and are done of color plates. So they're usually oil on cardboard, oil on canvas, watercolors, things like that. So it's a mixture of the poems and then also with some art associated. As the name implies, this is poems of the bush. So it's centered mostly on the nature of actually getting out into the Australian wilderness. So it'll talk about the melting snow on the ranges. It'll talk about the rolling plains. It'll talk about the old gum trees and the wind, the water, the breezes coming through of these stations, the homesteads, the fences of all of this mixture that you can find in the Aussie outback. Banjo Patterson wrote in a rhyming style. So all of the poems in this collection are rhyming and most of them are the typical ABAB style, but there's a couple unique ones. One which went AAA, BBB, CCC, and one called Song of the Future, which had just so many different switches up for it. One, for example, would go A, B, C, C, D, D, A, B, and then the, on the next, you know, a couple of passages time, it would go A, B, 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 A, C, D, C, D. So he was not afraid to switch it up, but also you could know what to expect from him when it came to the style and the prose that was going to be used. Now, this is a particularly thin book. There's not that many pages. I believe there was only 60 something with actual writing and text on them. And even then half of them were taken up with the pictures. So these are poems just of the bush, but I'm not even sure these are all of his poems of the bush. I had a quick look online and he's written more than 160. So I do imagine more than only 23 have bush references to them. So if you do read this book, just know that you are in for a very curated selection of everything that there is to be offered by Banjo Patterson, but it is curated in a nice way because it does have some artistic qualities of photos and other, you know, pictures, canvases, paintings also being used along inside the, the poems. So a note on Banjo Patterson, and I mean that literally, he is on our $10 note. So he was a very popular, very successful poet and writer and journalist from the period of, uh, he was born in 1864 and lived until 1941. He had a real strange mix because he grew up in a more bush type environment. So he was definitely in the outskirts. He went to a bush school, but for most of his life, he did actually live in Sydney, in the city, in the hustle and bustle of that area. So it's not that he was completely one with either of these worlds, he sort of divided himself between them with the middle period of his life being more in the, the city environment. And that's when he wrote most of his famous poems. So in the age of 25 to 40 was, I believe, when he became very successful as this poet. Now, unfortunately, in this particular version, you won't get some of his ultra, ultra famous ones, such as Waltzing Matilda, which is the Australian second unofficial national anthem, and The Man from Snowy River. But there are others such as 
Clancy of the Overflow, which are included in here and are renowned as some of his best works. The main theme that runs throughout all of this, you might have guessed it, it's the bush, it's the outback, and I'd call it a rugged beauty. And so I went through some of the particular words he was using in here, particularly the accompanying nouns and adjectives, descriptive things to highlight what he found of the bush. And so these are some of the ones that really jumped out at me. Rocky, rugged, burnt, bare, red, drought, trees, breeze, heat, big, and sunburnt. What's most peculiar about this is it's not colorful. It's not your standard, I guess you'd say. So especially when you're thinking of the outback, and Australia does have some forests and things like this, but talking about the outback, the bush, you're going to hear things like red, gray, brown. It's not a vividly intense experience when you go out there and see this because it is very monotone in, in many different ways. And so if you compare this landscape to seas, plains, forests, mountains, I would guess that you would see and hear more descriptions of the colors of that intensity, whereas this is more muted in that respect. And it's more of the grandeur and also of the associated almost danger that comes with it, the, the droughts, the flooding, the the sunburnt, the ruggedness, it's this sort of quality of being harsh, which is, brings its beauty to it. And that doesn't mean that it can't change because you can see that it'll be simultaneously sparse in some areas. You go out into the, the red sands of the Northern Territory and it will just go on and on and on. But yet in those same areas, there will be this explosion of life and color around the watering pools, around the billabongs where everything is cluttered, where everything is necessarily drawn to this one spot, the animals, the flora, the fauna, because that's where the, the life of it is through the water. And so it's not just one thing. It does have very many elements to it. And I'll read out a couple of the poems on the index here. So you have things like the traveling post office, black swans, black Harry's team, buffalo country, flying squirrels, in defense of the bush, a singer of the bush, song of the wheat, things like that. So it's not just about the bush as well. It's about the interaction between the bush and the, the people and the animals. So my observations, personal takeaways, the first one is a strong recommendation from me is that you should read this out loud, much like I did with the John Keats. I found that helpful for poetry. And then in particular, try and do it with an Aussie accent. So just selecting a page here at random. The wind is in the barley grass. The waddles are in bloom. The breezes greet us as they pass with honey sweet perfume. So reading it in that aspect, it actually did actually bring something more to me by having that that harshness of the Australian accent as well with the harshness of the, the words in particular context made me go, oh yeah, I can actually feel this more. It feels like I'm being drawn more into the world when I have that. So you do need to have that Aussie aspect and it might even be worthwhile trying to find some of these poems read out loud by Aussies online because then you can get that feeling of what's trying to be transmitted via the words. So with that in mind, a takeaway for me is I think I've been reading poetry wrong my whole life, essentially. It does feel like poetry is maybe that art form that while written in words does need to be communicated via the spoken word because that is where you'll get that essence, that hearing of the rhyming, of the playing of the sound. So for me, a huge takeaway is whenever I read poetry from now on, I am going to read it out loud to myself to feel and hear what the sounds make when they're actually read aloud versus just reading them in the in the book and in my own head. One thing I noticed from the author that he was slightly condescending of the city and townsfolk and their style of living. There was many poems in here which were equating to even just like a small jab, like a, it, would, it wouldn't even be part of the 
the poem as a whole, but just right towards the end or the middle, he'll, you know, take a little stab at the townsfolk who just have no idea about what it's like to live. And in particular, Clancy of the Overflow is a, a good example of what he thinks of, you know, the townsfolk and how they are missing out on what the bush has to offer. As to the actual style of the book as well, I really did enjoy the pictures on the pages. I found that a fantastic addition. And some of my personal favorites were the Weather Prophet, the Traveling Post Office, a Mountain Station, and as I mentioned before, Clancy of the Overflow. So in summary, this is as Aussie as Aussie can get. I actually cannot think off the top of my head of another Australian poet other than Banjo Patterson. I found it a pretty good description of what scenery we have to offer on the inside of the country, as well as a little bit of knowledge about how the people relate to it and what sort of animals you can even expect to see out there. I myself don't love this type of nature, the outback, so I did struggle to connect a little bit with this, but I still enjoyed reading it. So overall, I'm giving Poems of the Bush by Banjo Patterson, a six out of 10. As usual with these Australian book reviews, I'm gonna go over a couple of words that are particularly Australian. So bush or the bush refers to not only the outback, but also can be an individual plant, that bush over there, or oh no, he's gone bush for a while. Important to brush up on your Australian wildlife before you read something like this. So everyone knows about kangaroos, but there are also things like bullocks, dingoes, parakeets, magpies, galahs, birds like that, where if you're not sure of, you'll be wondering what type of animal is this? Swag, this is very Australian and refers to a portable tent or something that you can use for undercover shelter when you are going out into the bush. So very obviously a tent. And then a swagman is a person who is traveling in that method of being almost without a home who has his home on his back and is traveling around. And finally, drover. This refers to a person, usually a man, who is part of the team of a homestead of the farm of the cattle station, however you want to call it. And they will typically be on horseback and be used to move animals, sheep, livestock, whatever you want to call them, over large distances from one area to the next. So Mere Modelites, we've come to the end of another book review and I really do want to thank you for joining me up until this point. If you'd like to hear more, you can hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening on. And if you could go over to Apple and iTunes and leave five stars and a nice review, that really does help me out. To interact or connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mere Mortals Podcast. And other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.